All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Back podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Marcos Conan Negron, and beside me, as usual, is Ben the Jet Rets. Ben, looking great. And besides us here, we have our good friend Ryan Atkins. A Ryan, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Hey, what is up, guys? Thank you so much for having me. It's it's great to be here. How you feeling, Ben? You feeling good today? Yeah, dude. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to make it past another week um, and uh, excited to watch the team play this weekend. Yes, sir. This is big. So before we get into that, Ryan, talk a little bit about yourself. What got you into, obviously, the Niners fandom over here? Yeah, I got my Frank Gore jersey on uh, for listeners. Everybody else can see it, though. But I was luckily, I got good parents and was born into the 49ers fandom. I've been wearing this stuff. They had me there since I was a baby, man. So it's been my whole life long. Oh, it's that's bang, awesome. Bang, not a gang. Yes, sir. Sick. Bang, bang. So you guys had a very eventful and kind of stressful weekend, I'm assuming, um, with the Niners. I would want to call it surviving against the Green Bay Packers at home. Um, Dominating. <laughs> oh, we'll call that. All right. So <laughs> let's start. Let's start with you, Ben. How did you feel about this game? You know, kind of what were your thoughts, your main takeaways in this sense from what you saw? Um, to be honest with you, I really want to just start on the other side um, with Green Bay. I I love that Packers squad. I genuinely do. Um, and I said <clears throat> I said going into the weekend that if the if the Packers found a way to beat the Niners, like I'd be a Packers fan the rest of the season. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that that team is a lot of fun to watch. They're young. They're hungry. Jordan Love is a baller, man. Like. We talked about it last week. You were like, you know, who would you rather have, CJ Stroud or, or Jordan Love? And I told you, like, CJ Stroud, I, I genuinely, like, I'm super in the middle now. Like, um, watching him play football is, it's a lot of fun. And uh, he really, he pulled that team together. Aaron Jones is a baller. Um, he tore apart our, our defense that is supposedly really good at run run defense. So a little concerning going up against Gibbs in this next week. But we'll get to that later. Um <clears throat> No, it was it was a close game. It was a typical Green Bay Niners playoff football game. Um it was close. It was it was exciting, exhilarating. There were moments of oh crap, we're going to lose and then there was moments of oh wow, that really just happened and the Niners ended up winning and it was uh it was a lot of fun. No, for sure. So obviously inclement weather, the weather played a crazy role. I, we didn't we, we didn't really touch on that when we went over it um last week but i didn't realize it was going to be that crazy i thought it was going to be a little more chill um but definitely a great game to watch and i was really happy with what i saw from both teams obviously i think that the packers just played like they had nothing to lose and they definitely took some risks early on they had the uh fourth and one that they tried to go for they it felt like at times the packers were really trying to take control of this early um, and the Niners did a really good job of just trying to hold on. Um, Ryan, did you have any, like, you know, what were your kind of emotions going through this game, you know, as the game got going? Because I know in our text thread, it was kind of wild how it was going over there. <laughs> what were you feeling yeah. as the game went on? Oh, my God, man. Yeah, I think my <laughs> heart made uh, probably 10 times more beats than I was hoping it would that game. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad they pulled it out, man. I think... Just like you guys said, Matt LaFleur and the Packers played a loose game. And they played well. We all know youngest team in the league, and they're going to be around. Like, Packers did it again with another quarterback, which is 
frustrating. We're gonna have to deal with them, but you know, it's true. Them. No, for sure, that's great. And so now there's a couple of you know narratives that got changed in this game that got you know finally swept under the rug for at least one game, right? So we're gonna talk about the two narratives here. And then we'll go into the kind of final thoughts in the game, but that's not for a bit. So let's start with the first narrative is that Brock Purdy finally initiated a game winning drive. And this was after kind of a, you know, up and down game. He was getting pressured a ton and it was just inconsistent with the throws. And obviously the weather played a little bit of a factor. He almost threw two interceptions and, you know, people want to do the whole what ifs on the, Oh, he almost threw it, but he didn't. He threw the most passes of his career and he came out with a clean, no interception game. So Ben, I know you had something that you really wanted to say. So the floor is yours. Well, um, I just got to say that there is a legit thing that came out of this game. Um, and it was a, it was a little bit of an issue going in with Brock. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to address the haters a little bit later, um, down the road, but right now I do want to touch on something that is a little concerning and that's the rain games with Brock. Um, so he's got a smaller hand than your average quarterback right now. Um, it's actually the same size as Patty Mahomes, but you know, I don't know, maybe Patty just works out his fingers a little bit more. I I, I don't know (laughs) what's going on there, but um, every time that Brock has played in the rain, it's been a tough game for him. Um, and especially like what we're, what really concerned me was when we opened the game and we see Brock go out and he has a glove on and I'm like, that's not, that was not fun to see. That was, it was really weird. And mind you, he threw, he threw a perfect spiral right into the hands of green Bay (laughs) Packers defense, but somehow they dropped it. Like it was, it was lucky. Um, so that's, that's one thing that definitely concerned me, but the thing I'm going to address later is the, the whole dink and dunk, um, you know, the, the, the issue of everybody saying that all he ever does is throw to people who are behind the line of scrimmage or within the first five yards. It's, Mm -hmm. It's frustrating because when I look around the rest of the games this weekend, um, let's just say it, it didn't add up. I think I know what you're talking about. I have a good take on that, too. Okay. I love it. Um, but no, I think what was questionable about this game wasn't just I thought I was really happy with what I saw from Brock. And I think despite the ups and ups and downs, I don't even think that was entirely his fault. Um Part of me thought that, you know, Kyle Shanahan was coaching a little bit scared in this spot. And it was interesting to me that, like, despite how balanced this uh, 49ers team has been the whole time, uh, he threw for 39 passes, like the most of his career in inclement weather. And I just found that to be so interesting. <laughs> um, but. I was happy with how Brock played. He, honestly, at the end of the day, he got the win. And Jordan Love made the poor decision at the end. He turned the ball over and, you know, he turned the ball over twice. The Niners were able to capitalize while the Packers couldn't. And that was the difference in this game, in my opinion. I, I, do, I do think that the reason that Brock ended up throwing more in this game versus any other game is Christian McCaffrey was coming off of a legit injury. And he was showing signs of still being a little bit banged up. And so I think if there was a game that Kyle was going to utilize Brock, you know, more than his run game, it was going to be the first game against the weakest team 
you know, I'm not saying that Green Bay is, you know, the weakest team in the league by any means, but <laughs> in in terms of what this playoff run could look like, like I don't know that Brock Thurs throws that many times against the Lions, and I don't know if he throws that many times in the Super Bowl if we make it that far. Like it's um if there was a week to do it and give Christian a little bit of a breather, this was the week to do it. Oh, fair enough. Can I ask you something on mm-hmm. I want to see what you think about what about Elijah Mitchell then? Because I know in the run expecting a run game and the Packers were really defended. So why do why do you think we didn't see him a little more? That's an excellent question, Ryan. I have no idea. I It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. We, That's why Yeah. He's finally healthy enough to at least give it a go. Um, you know, it's always been an issue through his first two seasons of staying healthy and and availability is the best of uh is one of the best, you know, things to have on your team, right? So uh, it's tough to say cuz he was available he was good to go. I don't think he was out there for a single snap that I could recall. So I don't know. Well, yeah, I had another question too. Like, obviously, another narrative that was shaken off was Debo. Um, you know, he had to exit the game. Now, you know, Brock was able to overcome that, which is great. That's another narrative that got shaken. But I'm, you know, were you guys a bit surprised? And I, and I guess this is me because you know I don't watch the Niners every single week, but I. I think I consistently underrate Debo for his impact on what, like his role that is used in the offense. It was very interesting just how stagnant the offense became. Did you think that, was it surprising that it almost, it almost, it just didn't look like Kyle Shanahan had a backup plan for Debo going out. Were you guys surprised with like how clunky it looked after Debo went out? Um, so Ryan, tell me if you think that I'm I'm right in this, but my thought is I believe Shanahan's playbook offensively consists of 70% Debo in motion or Debo, you know, being a weapon, the number one weapon on that play or just a decoy. And without him out there to provide whatever that task is, that offense takes an extreme like we go backwards a lot. Um, that's just kind of where my head's at. I noticed that when Trent and Debo went out earlier in the season, um, I noticed that our our offense got really stagnant. And I'm like, wow, is this Trent? Is this Debo? Is it both of them? And then I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, if you watch Debo and how much he's used in every position, I mean, he lines up in the back, he lines up slot, he lines up like it's he's all over the place. And a lot of the time it's a decoy. But that decoy draws, you know, a linebacker over towards him and a safety to draw up, set, uh, draw up closer to him so that Brandon can go on a, a slant downfield. Like it's there's so many things that Debo provides to this offense that people just have no idea. And it's stuff that doesn't fill the stat sheet. Yeah, agreed. He's, I completely agree with you on that. He's got that kind of gravity because you have to respect his presence. I mean, like you said, he's just so versatile with the blocking. I mean. Yeah, he pulls defenders. Agreed. Yeah. Going Jennings, right, to replace him. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. I think he had a good game. I remember he slipped one play, but, you know, the rain. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's just not the same effect as the Debo. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it it was weird to see Kyle uh, use the same almost jet sweep motion that he would use for Debo on Juwan Jennings, with Juwan Jennings. And I'm like, 
I don't know about that one, Kyle. Like, yeah, I, I totally get like next man up, but that kind of a play, Jawan's not the kind of guy to make that play. And I, I guess they asked Kyle about it and he had some response. I didn't do my research and I don't know what he said, but I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So I guess let's move on to this next part because another narrative that got shaken was Kyle Shanahan also finally shook off and got his first win in 30 attempts. Uh, after being Jeez. down by five or more points in the fourth quarter, which is a wild stat. And they, you know, love to post that on, you know, on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, and I know we have, that's right. All it, take, all it takes is one, right? Like to, you know, just start this trend. But the part that was, there were so many plays in this game. And like, I guess what I really want to start with was, again, over the years, you pay more and more attention to this and you don't really notice it when it's, when it's working, you can forget about it. Right. But when he's put in this position where he has to come back, it's been so there's so many times where he, it doesn't work for him. So I think part of this is like his ability to clock manage. So I have questions for you guys about Kyle that I'd like to, you know, kind of hash out, get your feel for. So Ben, we'll start with you on this one. Do you guys trust, Kyle Shanahan's clock management ability. And before we answer this question, let me just preface just a couple moments in this game where I thought it was really important. At the end of the first half, the the Niners were driving. They had the chance to um, you know, get more points on the board prior to halftime. And it just felt like he was with timeouts and it just seemed like he was letting time, so much time just run off the clock. Like there was no sense of urgency. And then by the time it got down to about like 40 seconds, that's when he really started to try it seemed, but then you guys weren't able to capitalize. And then it led to the Jake Moody block field goal. Right. So there was that part. And then at the end of the game, what confused me was how conservatively he played with about, you guys had the ball with about six minutes to go. Obviously you were trailing. I think it was 17, 21 at the time after the missed field goal, mm -hmm. but he played that as the last drive and he had multiple timeouts. Right. So what when so like I thought it was really interesting that you don't give yourself more than just one chance to take the lead. So I guess, you know, and again, that's just a matter of perspective and how you, you know, how you prefer the game to be managed. Do you but do you trust his decision making there? Did you think that was the right way to handle that with this clock management? So were you saying that you believe Kyle could have gotten two drives within that seven minute period at the end. Yeah. Like why okay. play, con why play conservative when you, I, and I understand like maybe it's just the way the feel of the game was like how he thought things were going, but you're the Niners bro. Like against the Packers that, and I understand the momentum was all over the place in this game, but it does, this doesn't seem like the only time he plays he plays conservative or coaches conservative. Yeah. So do you, do you trust his clock management ability, especially as we move forward in the playoffs here? I do trust his clock management, believe it or not, um, because it hasn't been so glaring to the point where it's cost us a game. Um, it, there's been times where you could probably pin it on his game management and say that, yeah, if he you know would have called some timeouts here and instead of going and getting just a field goal here and going for a touchdown, like, you know, there's so many situations like, but it's also like, well, what if Purdy threw this ball or what if we use CMC? Like it's, it's kind of weird in that sense. Um, 
I do trust his play his uh time management skills. Um I do agree with his call to make it a one drive because that game was messy. I mean from for the first three and a half quarters it was Green Bay was the better team. I mean there's there's no beating around the bush. They were playing I like the better team that day through three and a half quarters. And at that point, when you have it's kind of like I'll, I'll use I'll use an example like if you're trailing the whole game in basketball and you're down two with um with like three seconds to go and you're you know it's not looking like you'd win an overtime period you want to go for that win at that point like you don't want to take it to overtime you you just want to get that last shot and so I think I trusted Kyle's management in that scenario to just <clears throat> get us down the field make it one drive leave as little time as possible. I still think we could have left way less time. I think CMC should have sat down in my opinion, but it was okay. It worked out. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know that this game was glaring to me. I would probably feel a lot differently if Jordan Love went and scored a touchdown at the end though. Right. So, okay, Ryan, what about you? How did you feel about the those, you know, examples or did you feel like, he was in pretty. He was pretty much in control when you know he was making the right decisions out there. Yeah, I gotta say, I think he was. I think that Kyle's management of the game, in most senses, really beyond just the clock, is so methodical that uh, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And he was just playing a little conservative. I think before the half. Now it's easy for me to say in hindsight, uh, but if I were Kyle, I think. You know, you'd want that one back to be a little more aggressive there, try to make it a 14 to 6 game instead of, you know, we were going for the 10 to 6, missed the field goal. Now we know, but I agree with you. I think, you know, we're the Niners, you know, take a shot. At least I, I would have liked to see a couple shots. I mean, he had all that time. I remember he took one to the sideline, kind of a deep ball, but I think it was like a, I don't know, pretty must have heard, you know, just don't get picked off or something because it wasn't like a real competitive or anywhere close. He was just like, you know, if it's there, maybe take a shot, but mm -hmm. don't ruin the game. That's no, that's a I, great point. I think there's there's two sides of the coin. Um, when you have the kind of roster that Kyle has, uh, you're kind of in a weird spot where it makes sense to play conservative because you have the better roster more often than not. And so your guys are going to ultimately get it done more often than not. Right. Um, but then on the other side of it, it's like you have this freaking elite roster, take some damn shots once in a while. So it's like, there's almost no winning in that sense. And green Bay was in a position where they could take the shots because they've already made it to the playoffs. They already won against the team that they were plotted to lose against like with an 80% chance. Thank you, Dallas for that beautiful late Christmas <laughs> gift. Um, it was, we're real. you know, it's, it's, it's situational for, for coaches. And I think Kyle, for the most part, being on the Niners um, team, like he's had, a pretty elite squad for the majority of his tenure here. So it's, it's kind of tough. It's right. Tough. I, I feel you where you're coming from though. No. So, and so we mentioned the all-star cast, right? So there was times where it felt like, okay, so I view this a couple ways, right? There's a couple different things that I view here. He, 
people, you know, the argument for Brock Purdy in this offense is, oh, he's better than Jimmy. And let me preface this by saying, I believe he's better than Jimmy. I believe he's done more than Jimmy. But there have been times where it felt like he coached as if he had Jimmy on the team. Like he was telling, he was telling Brock, Hey, don't make these mistakes, but I'm going to let you throw 40 times in the rain and hope that you don't make a mistake. So it was like, it almost feels like he does trust him, but at the same time, some of the plays he were call- he was calling didn't ma- make it seem that way. But then you have Christian McCaffrey and yes, there was times that the run did get slowed down, but there was so many times where we were just like, why are you throwing it three straight times here when you could have at least tried to establish the run with these guys? Does it feel like sometimes he forgets who's on his roster? <laughs> I guess would be the question. Yeah, and that's actually a point that I wanted to bring up at some point today is like there's one ball and it's there's so many playmakers. And so it's it's almost tough to if you think about it from a perspective of I need to get all my guys going, like what Kyle struggles with, in my opinion, is just finding what's working and then not getting away from it. Like he'll find something that works. Let's say it's Christian McCaffrey on the ground, but then come out of halftime and we throw three times in a row. And it's like, what are we doing when this was, we were pounding the rock. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And it's, and then you look at those three plays that he drew up and they're deep balls to Brandon to try and get him going with yards after catch, or it's Debo in the backfield, or it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's these different, obviously great plays for these players, but maybe doesn't need to be utilized in the situation. And so I think Kyle's guilty of just trying to get everybody going rather than try and get one guy going feed off of it and then work around that. So if Christian's going, okay, awesome. Now that, they have to account for the run. Oh, look, the linebackers are pressing up a little bit more. Put Brandon on a, on a slant wide open downfield. Oh, okay. Now that Brandon's got, you know, now they have to account for this. Now George Kittle can go and do this. Like it's, he almost overthinks it at times. And I know that's coming from a perspective of somebody who could never coach a game of football in my life. But <laughs> that's that's kind of where my head goes when I see it. And it's it's tough when you have this kind of a roster. It's genuinely tough, in my opinion, when you have this level of players. No, that's fair. Then, so Ryan, do you, th- what do you think about this? Do you think that like, do you agree with Ben's take or do you feel like he could have called some of these plays a l- or he could have pressed more easy buttons more often? I think so. Okay. I agree, but as a disclaimer, it's going to be a layman's take. closer to five game than I but <laughs> would you agree, you guys? I'm gonna throw it back at you. Because mm-hmm. to me, it seemed like Matt Fuller called a, a way smoother, kind of looser. You know, it, it's kind of they didn't look like a seven seed, but in this one respect, to me where they're kind of playing almost for fun. It's like we weren't supposed to be here anyway. You know, we're just gonna make the most of it, uh, play a game, play loose, and try to get everybody going do our thing. Yeah, um I agree with you. I thought Matt LaFleur I wouldn't say outcoached. I think for the first three quarters he outcoached Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan was able to pull it together at the end. I liked I liked the aggressiveness he was taking and the Niners again, they did a really good job early on of just bending but not breaking and not allowing those early 
you know, they, they got in the red zone three out of the first four possessions. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was, there was a little bit of nervousness there that they were, that they could have moved the ball the whole game. And obviously, you know, the defense had, um, Embry Thomas was just giving up easy penalties. There was, there was kind of penalties just kind of all around, even little ones that like the, the tone of the game. And I know you guys were in this boat. The tone of this game was like, we're doing everything we can to lose this game right now. Like, what Mm -hmm. are we doing here? (laughs) Like, So I think Matt LaFleur came out prepared and aggressive. And at the end of the day, it didn't go his way. But I, I do feel like there was times where, like, man, and like even the, the I know the Packers had that big uh, kick return too. And it was just like, there was, there, there was moments in these games where I was just like, wow, the momentum is really swinging here. And I know, especially when they got down, what was it? They weren't down by 10, were they? Were they down 10 at one point or was it seven? Mm, I there think was, it was just seven or something. Yeah, like they were, when they got 10. down, like their, you know, their largest deficit, I know it almost felt like, wow, we're probably going to lose this game. So I don't know. I, I agree with your take that Matt LaFleur did a really good job just playing loose. Um, I do think to Ben's point, the overall talent allows the Niners to kind of make up for these mistakes. And I kind of thought that was how it was going to be yeah. down the road anyway. I felt like there was, I was like, this is, this seems like the kind of game where everything could go wrong, but I think it's going to end up going right at the end here. So. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said for sure. Like what Ryan said about um, that the Packers and, and LaFleur didn't really have anything to lose. Um, they already proved a, a damn good point And that's that they could, they're going to have an elite quarterback and a great team moving forward. And they already beat, a team that they weren't expected to beat. So they were in a position where they could take those shots. They could, they can be comfortable almost losing the game in that sense. Cause um, you know, on the other side of it, the Niners are the one seed and to go out in that game would be absolutely embarrassing and shocking. And, you know, we would blow yeah. up our team and Shanahan would get fired. And like, <laughs> you know, obviously none of that would necessarily happen, but um, like there was a lot more to lose in that game for the Niners than for green Bay. So from that, from that perspective, like, of course, LaFleur would play a qu- more comfortable sat back game and be on third down be like, yeah, take a shot. Like, let's right. see what's out there. Oh, he got it. Let's go. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. So, OK, so let's put a scenario for my kind of last question about this Kyle Shanahan thing. So we the whole talk with this team is who's really the weakness of this roster that's all that's all the narrative is for the 49ers it's like they're great but is purdy the problem okay oh, kyle shanahan can't coach from behind so let me throw up a hypothetical scenario here and it obviously isn't one that niners fans really want to hear but you know it's something that like if this happens it wouldn't you know you can't ignore it right so you be careful i know you're a so, curse right now so and we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that in a second um but so let's say you guys, you know, this week just doesn't go the way you plan with the Lions or you make it to the Super Bowl and it doesn't work out that way either. Which of these scenarios is most likely to happen? Would it be because Brock Purdy tanked the game and threw like three turnovers or played poorly and cost you guys the game? Or would it be the fact that Kyle Shanahan played conservatively, didn't coach conservatively and wasn't didn't press enough easy buttons, didn't play and you know didn't make the right calls maybe he did mess up on the time management do you think that kyle would cost you guys your season or would it be brock (laughs) think about this but i know man if i had to choose one 
Brock looked last week. I think he had an off game. Columbus ran on top of that, but it was uncharacteristic. And I trust Brock. He's gonna lean into the conservative play calling. I think because uh, he's got so much to lose. I hope it's not in his head, but if it is, it's burned it. Right, because it, it reminds me of how did you guys lose the last Super Bowl, right? You guys were up 10 and just felt like once you got up 10, it just didn't feel like the play calling. Would, he just he just kind of sat on it. And it's hard, too, because now we're in this debate, too, with, again, Jimmy G versus Brock. And what? how much does he really trust Brock compared to what he was able to do with Jimmy G? And the fact that I wonder had this version of Brock played on that team in that game in 2021, if the outcome would have been different because Kyle might've trusted him a little bit more in the big spot. Um, so Ben, I don't know if you have a, a take on who you trust, I guess in this situation, who do you trust more? Who do you yeah. think? Yeah. This is, this is a, this is a damn tough question, man. Um, because either side of it, let me, let me say this. I have a lot of faith in both of these guys. I have a lot of faith in Brock as a QB. Um, I trust the ball in his hands more than any other quarterback that I've seen since Steve Young. Um, and that counts for cap too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I really believe in Kyle. I think that he's the coach that's going to get us our sixth one. Um, and where I, man, all right. I have defended Brock all year long, but you just can't really turn away from experience in these types of games and situations this late in the season. Mm-hmm. Brock has been playing phenomenal this year. Um, and since hearing his name called last year against the Dolphins, he's done everything we've asked him to and more. Um, he's an absolute vital piece of this team now and for years to come. But we can't forget like he's in his second year in the league. He's got six minutes in an NFC championship game as experience this late in the season. And I think in this sense, I would have to lean more towards Purdy just because Kyle's been here a few more times and he's, he's seen the circus. He's made it to the full game. He's had a massive lead in the Super Bowl a couple times and blown it. Um, which also backs the other side of it. Right. Right. So it's, <clears throat> It's tough, man. It's it's tough, but I think I'd lean Purdy. That's that's great, and I love hearing that. So it sucks. I I feel for you guys as Niners fans in the sense that this is all your. It's almost like um, it's almost like a Cowboys fan style of scrutiny that you guys are under. In the sense that no matter if you guys lose, everyone was right in some way, shape, or form. They feel like they were right about Brock. They were right about Kyle. They're like, oh, this team was always going to get held back when in reality, that might not be the situation. That might not be what happens anyway. So it's like, it's hard to be in the situation and people will never contextualize. Like, then this is the, we talked about this like via our group chat because you you mentioned that you were kind of just sick of all the people hating on Brock. You don't understand. You said it was crazy, like the the hate. And I'm like, I don't really think it's crazy just because this is what people do. This is how they treat players in the NFL. And I think it's because Brock was in the MVP conversation and people just refuse to believe that Mr. Irrelevant, that this guy out of Iowa State is capable of leading a team to a Super Bowl. And... He's always going to get scrutinized. He's set on this unfair pyramid now that 
the only way he can prove anybody right is if he wins a Super Bowl and nothing else. He can make it as far as the conference championship. If he loses this weekend, it's going to be because of him, and that's going to be the that's going to be it. And even if he plays a relatively good game, they're going to be like he wasn't good enough. <laughs> so it's like it sucks, and I I hate that that's how people perceive these things um, when they're really just missing the point that he is Mr. Relevant, second year it's, QB. It, it, it's tough. It's it's well, and you got to think of it from the other side too. Like it's tough to know that this second year guy who was drafted last overall what is better than your quarterback so i mean it's tough for a lot of people <laughs> to swallow like i i totally understand it but i do i do want to pop off for a minute if you guys don't mind okay. um so off, to man. the purdy haters um i have defended him all season long as you know and i will continue to do so um i did a little bit of research because uh they were talking all week long about how Purdy is just a dink and dunk quarterback that you talked about all year long, but especially this week. And it just seemed like they were roasting him. They're like, he doesn't, he doesn't make the big play and blah, 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 blah. So I went on next gen stats because I love next gen stats. Um, They're nice. And I pulled up some past charts for Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, and uh, Brock Purdy. And, oh, I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson too. And um, it's interesting. So Patrick Mahomes passed um, six times, seven times behind the line of scrimmage. And Josh Allen passed 16 times behind the line of scrimmage. And Jared Goff was eight times behind. And Brock was four times behind. Hmm. It's interesting. Right. Oh, Lamar Jackson was, was three times. Oh, but he only passed like 16 times. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just interesting to see, you know, that all these quarterbacks that let's, let's throw out there the, the Raiders. Uh, I don't remember what her title was, um, but she went on some podcast last week and was like, there's eight quarterbacks and there's eight teams. Or, no, there's seven great quarterbacks and there's Brock Purdy. Well, right. I'm sorry, but that quarterback just, kind of proved you wrong once again it's just it's hilarious that the goalposts for this kid just keep moving farther and farther and farther and to i'm gonna fight you for a second marcos because you just said that if he wins the super bowl like that'll be the thing that like you know kind of shuts people up no no it won't because people are always gonna keep drilling this kid and they're always gonna move it down because it is so tough for people to admit that this guy's actually damn good at football mm. and yeah, he doesn't have any like freakishly athletic piece of his body or anything. Like he doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but what he does do really well is take advantage of the things that are given to him. He knows how to read a defense. He knows how to read a scenario and he knows what guy is hot and how to get the ball in his hands. And I'm sorry, but I would take that quarterback over somebody who can run when the play is absolutely broken every single time in Lamar Jackson and only throw 16 freaking times. <laughs> Hell out of here. Anyway. Uh, no, and that's, no, that's great. And, you know, people want to forget that Brock also had some very crucial runs at the end of the game too, to really seal the deal. Um, it's tough. Like, and again, everything was against him. The pressure was getting to him a little bit. You can tell the timing was just a bit off losing Debo affects the way the offense operates yeah. and guys just aren't in the same spots. Kittle had a crucial drop at the end of the game. He would have been seven for seven on that drive had Kittle mm -hmm. caught the ball. So it's like you, in the moment that mattered the most, you really locked in. And that did that, you, did you mm -hmm. notice? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but right after Kittle dropped that ball, Brock went right back to him. Yeah. 
because he knew Georgie was going to get him back. Like, yeah. that's that's the shit that I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, he did. He went right back to him. And Ayuk made a couple awesome catches down what there. What about and... that third and Jawan, that crazy ball, dude? That I mean, right. that yeah. drive for Purdy was the legacy drive. That was the drive that everybody needed to see. And, and like, that was the goal po- post. And now he did it. And now it's, okay, well, something else now. Right, and that was the big. Qu- and they're like, "Oh, he got the game-winning drive, but what if he threw two pick sixes? Yeah. And we're like, "We get, we understand where you're trying to go with that. Like, those were two plays that could have happened, but guess what? They didn't happen. And yep. you know what did happen is Dre Greenlaw picked off Jordan Love twice, and because he caught the ball and they didn't. the The game of the NFL is all about who capitalizes on who the other team's mistakes, and it was the Niners and had exactly. the Packers did it. We can have, we can have that conversation had it happened, but it didn't happen. Right. So you got to talk about what's actually here. And I understand that a lot of the narratives are built off of hypotheticals of what ifs, all this, but then when it actually happens, they want to use those hypotheticals as an argument to what could have been. And it just doesn't make any sense. Okay, so oh my God, it's incredible to see excuse me great to see like you said second year with the six minutes of conference championship experience i mean that's impressive for a guy Mm -hmm. in his shoes and can Mm -hmm. i just say can i just add one more to the check down haters (laughs) brandon Ayuk, do we not we're just gonna ignore the his existing rocks chemistry with him you can look at his stats it's they're not bad, man. The NFL posted something today that was like he's the least targeted. Um, hang on, hang on. Let me let me pull it up. Two seconds, boys. Two Brandon seconds. Brandon Ayuk appreciation post coming up here. <laughs> so, yeah, please. He deserves so, it. So Brandon Ayuk finished the season seventh in receiving yards while being thirtieth league wide in targets. Yeah, that's absolutely absurd. Like he wasn't targeted hardly as much as any of these guys, and yet he still had thirteen hundred freaking yards, man. Mm-hmm. Put some respect on his name. What I I said it going into the season, Marcos, and I you heard yeah, me. Yeah, I think I said sure. it to you too, right? I think mm-hmm. I said it in our group chat. Like this is Brandon Ayuk's year. Mm-hmm. I think I expected him to have a little bigger year because I thought we would really I... utilize him as a wide receiver. One, thank you, Kyle. But again, it's a little <laughs> hard to you know when you have this many weapons. It's yeah. no, I it's yeah. crazy. But this also shows like the kind of weapons that this team has when you can have this many guys go over a thousand yards for the first time. Right. And I was making that point during the game. It almost, I was wondering, there was times where I was like, it feels like we we haven't seen much of Brandon Ayuk here. I was like, especially once Diva went out, I was like, okay, it's Brandon's time. And then lo and behold, he just shows up at the very end in the last drive when it mattered most, making an insane catch. And, you know, to the one that was behind him was a great catch, great hands catch. But then Brock made an unbelievable throw that, you know, you put it in the perfect spot where only your guy can get it. And Brandon, you just converted. And again, you have reliable players. Like, you know, it was right there, right? Like, it almost looked like, um, yeah, whoever the defender for Green Bay, I forgot his name, but number 25, he almost, it, it, he could have got it too, but it was a perfect throw that Brandon could get to. And, um and Purdy hit Kittle on that deep throw for his uh, for his touchdown earlier in the game, and again, what really set the tone I think too was you know McCaffrey getting established and breaking off those big runs and playing like the player that you know the team expected. I think there was a little snippet where Kyle was talking about CMC on the big run that broke out for the first touchdown that he had, and uh, he said that 
CMC told him to call that play because he knew it was going to work, that he knew it was going to break big before the play happened. So I thought that was cool. CMC just staying on top of things. And I and again, you flow with how the game goes and there how I felt sometimes. I was like, he could have used CMC more, but at the end of the day, he with all the weapons that he has, he made it work. And you guys ended up with the win. And at times it looked like your defense was going to struggle. And, you know, Matt LaFleur did a really good job of trying to attack the Niners and capitalized on some penalties and the Niners were still able to survive. And I think, you know, you can, you guys can, you know, offer your take on it, but I think this is kind of the, what, like the most perfect game, like type of adversity in game adversity that this team could have gone through in this particular run. Yes, that was, that was going to be a point that I built off of later when we started talking about the lions, which I think we should segue into if you guys are uh, ready to. I'm up for it. What about you, Ryan? Absolutely. Let's get to it. It was good, so, like you said, to see them win with some grit. Yeah, it, it was a phenomenal game. I And again, like all up to the Packers. That was, it was no, cool was to see. Fun I matchup. hate that we're going to have to see them now for years on end. Like, But yeah. that matchup between Purdy and Love, it's going to be great. It's oh, going to yeah. be a fun one. And again, that was a one of a kind match. At least it was one of the you know it was the best game in the NFC um, matchup. I mean, all the games this weekend were actually pretty freaking good. Um, so I was really happy to see the Niners, you know, be able to come back that way, and they did a good job. So now they get to stay at home this Sunday at three thirty, and they get to play in beautiful Santa Clara weather. I think it's going to be like seventy degrees, nice normal day, and um, the Lions no get rain. to. Yeah, the Lions get to come into town, and hey, you're playing you're playing a quarterback who is talked about kind of in the same style as Brock in the sense that he is un he's overrated. Like, is he you know he has his good weapons and stuff like that, and he's a pocket QB. But Jared Goff's playing hot. This Lions team is hot. They have mm-hmm. this is the first championship game since 1991 for them. So this is a there's a big moment, and Kyle is facing his polar opposite in Dan Campbell who is the most aggressive coach over the past two years, past two, three years since he's been in the league, man will go for every fourth down, screw any analytics. He'll go on fourth and five on his own 40. It doesn't matter. This man will take risks. And this is, this is where it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to see the Lions come out with, they got nothing to lose. They made it this far. We've brought this up last week as a big reason why they would probably make it to this stage to begin with. Um, So, Let's talk about it a bit here. What are you guys looking? Let's start with you, Ben. Like, what are you looking? What are you most looking forward to of how you can uh, attack the Lions? Where are you? You know, what are you most confident in going into this game? It's a good question. Um, because all week long, I've been seeing that the Lions are every position better than the Niners, and uh, so I, you know, at this point, I'm just coward. led to. Led to believe that, yeah, led to believe that the Lions have got our number this week. Um, no, I, where, let me, let me put it this way. It's going to be a really even matchup offensively between offense and offense, right? Um, defensively, what team can get a takeaway, one or two? Um, that's what's going to win this game. And one thing I need to see the Niners do this week that they didn't do is not let Gibbs break away for, crazy amounts of yards and get the run game going because um that boy can run and and when he gets going the rest of that offense gets going because they kind of do a a more traditional 
style where they get the run game going and then the rest of the game develops around it. Um, and yeah, Campbell's not afraid to take that chance. If it's fourth and five, he's probably going to go for it, even if it's on like the 50 yard line. Like, um, and I, I love that play style. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I do get nervous with the, um, with the chance that Debo doesn't play. Now, I'm not going to say whether I think he's in a play or not because I don't want to go out here and jinx anything. Right. But to he not was a play practice. In a, yeah, to not play in a game like this, it would have to be a pretty severe injury, right? Um, so having Debo back would be awesome. Um, I think we need him to win this game. I will, I will say that at no point this year have I believed that if the Niners play their best game, their best brand of football, that any team can beat them. Mm-hmm. I did. I, um, I believe well, that with the Ravens too. Like we didn't bring our oh, best brand sure. of football. Purdy didn't bring his best best brand of football, and our defense got exhausted quick. Like it wasn't that wasn't Niners football. And I think bringing our best game, which is what you have to do this late in the season, it, no team can beat them. So it's up to the Niners. So I did have a question. Um, just kind of like another hypothetical here. So let's, and we don't want this to happen. We want Debo to play, but let's pretend in this instance, let's say he doesn't play. Do you think, because we noticed that when he went out in game, when the strategy last week was, we're going to utilize Debo in this game. When Debo was, if Debo isn't going to be playing, or at least now that there's a chance that he's questionable, do you think Kyle is going to have, I think this might benefit the team in the sense that Kyle might come out with a much more wide range game plan that doesn't revolve around just two players. I don't know if you think like maybe he's going to start spreading the ball. Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, like kind of mixing everyone in it. Do you think that, you know, obviously I know you would prefer Debo in the game. Like nobody, you know, he's, he is that important, but do you think that this week Kyle will now be more creative with his play calling in terms of what he's going to come up with, at least for his script? So I think with how much you've asked questions on Kyle at this point, you're waiting for one of us to rip him up and down. So <laughs> I will rip him up and down for two seconds. Um, I don't think that Kyle would change up his playbook because we saw Trent and Debo out for three games. And on that third game, he was the same plays and it was, it wasn't working and nothing was different about it. The only thing different was that nothing was working. Um, so I, <clears throat> I would love to see Kyle come out with with a a game plan that's a lot more in tune with the players who are available week to week. Um, But I genuinely don't know if he's capable of doing that. I mean, Ryan, I don't know if you feel differently. If you do, you know, light me up. (laughs) No, Marco's got the bait. You took it, man. (laughs) That's it. So, okay, Ryan. So for you, how, you know, how are you feeling going into this game? Are you feeling pretty confident or are you, you know, wary based off of what happened last week? The point, the point spread is there. The Niners are seven point favorites. Like that's a pretty big spread for a champion. That's a big spread for a championship yeah. game. But do you think the Lions, you know, do you feel good about the Niners or do you think the Lions have a legit chance in this game? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by the spread too, but that said, I am. I feel really good about this game. I mean, you asked about the Super Bowl earlier. Who would the lose? So maybe you said the Lions too. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was hard to answer. So we're in a good place to be. That's a good point. A couple keys for me. I want Levi's to help win this game because the Lions have had 
some juice and some energy and it's kind of a magical year for them. But I hope they didn't get used to that kind of energy. <laughs> it's going to be a rude awakening in Levi Stadium, man. And I hope that we have some tight coverage. You know, I'm looking for defense to win this game. Hard off to be uncomfy. And uh, I actually brought one stat for you. Ooh, okay. The Niners this year, uh, their opponents passed rating to a 79.6. Wow. So, mm, yeah, that's a good point. Hard off to be uncomfortable this game. No, that's that's a great point. That, yeah, that's a great point that you mentioned that because when we talk about the other QB, when we talk about Goff, his strength is when he's not under yes. pressure. He yes. is elite when he doesn't get pressured. And so this O-line is highly regarded, but it's also hurt. You know, Frank Ragnow, their yeah. center, had to deal with an ankle and knee sprain and still played through it. So tough guy in that sense. But their uh, guard... Oh, I forgot his name. Jonah something is going to be out of the game. Um, so, But they also have Penny Sewell, who's going to be going up against Nick Bosa. And Penny Sewell is awesome. He's a young guy. And this is going to be a highly watched matchup in terms of Nick Bosa needing to change the game. And Chase Young needs to make his presence known because in the past four games, he hasn't gotten a sack. Like he hasn't, you know, this is the whole reason you make a trade, right? So the D-line needs to pressure Goff. That will be the difference in this game, at least from the Niners defensive perspective and i do think that in in reverse too this will be an o-line d-line game because the niners you know purdy got pressured a lot by the packers and he is going up against one of the best aiden hutchinson who is their nick bosa in the sense of his ability to just be physical and pressure and they do move him around a bit but trent williams exists so i doubt that they're i if i were them i'm gonna pair him up against mike mcclinchy over and over and over yep. again. That's the big spot. So he's the only one on the Niners O line to allow double digit double digit sacks, which kind of sucks. So it's like he's the only one on the O line who's not coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I do so because the the nine the Lions corners are going to get cooked. They've been getting cooked. Cameron Sutton's in particular has been getting cooked all playoffs. Like it hasn't even been pretty. They've allowed four hundred yards to Nick Mullins, three hundred fifty yards to Baker Mayfield, and then Stafford threw for four hundred on them. So this is primed to be a shootout, and it's going to come down to the Niners just disrupting Goff and getting in his head a little bit, and hopefully forcing turnovers. So you uh you made a really good point that. You know, the Niners, this was like the Packers game was a perfect game for them because it showed that adversity. Um, when I looked at this Niners team from the start of the fourth quarter, I saw a team that wasn't going to accept a loss at any point. Not in that game, not in the next game, and not in the Super Bowl. There was something that clicked. And I know, like, my sorry ass was texting you guys like it's over blah 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 but <laughs> like genuinely like when i'm when i was watching that game something clicked in the fourth quarter for these guys where they weren't going to lose that game they were going to find any way possible to win it because they'd be damned if they went out in the first quarter right or in the, in the first game and so i expect in this game the niners to just bring their brand of football and if Anybody like that's got to be the discussion all week long in that locker room on the practice field in the in the tape sessions like it's got to be 
you guys just need to play your brand of football because this is the best damn roster in the league. There's no reason why you guys shouldn't at least be in the Super Bowl, let alone have a damn good shot at winning it. So playing their brand of football, not focusing and playing on the other team into their level, that doesn't mean don't study the other team and, you know, get familiar with their guys and watch the tape. No, that, that means just don't play to their level because this Niners team at the top of their game is untouchable. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And it will be, this is going to be huge. And Brock historically in his young career has done a really good job of bouncing back when he's had a subpar game. So mm-hmm. I just know that he's going to be locked in. And I think this has all the makings of just a shootout. And I'm really excited to just see, you know, what's really going to be the difference. Cause I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, the lions, Ben Johnson's a great offensive guy. He's missing out on off uh, on head coaching opportunities because his team is still in the playoffs and he is a really good offensive play caller and offensively, at least, especially with how good the offensive line's been. Jameer gives David Montgomery is a very good one, two punch for this team. And they have Amon Ra, they have Jamison Williams and Josh Reynolds, like, and Sam Laporta has been a breakout tight end this year. And, but I can also see this moment with all this pressure, they've had to play with no pressure like, oh, nobody believes we can get here. Now you're here. And now the pressure is just really going to mount because it didn't, it almost didn't matter as much if you lost those first two games. Now it's like you set the expectation. You're America's favorite team at the moment. You, everyone yep. wants the Lions to win just for the storyline aspect of it. And everyone's hating on the Niners. So it's like now the pressure is focused because now you have all these eyes on you that aren't going to be your own anymore because your Ryan mentioned there, the Levi's is going to be a uh, hostile. And it's going to be very, very fun to just feel the energy. Obviously, the dome kind of helps suppress, like, the like keep the crowd energy, like, the sound. But I'm just, I'm really excited to see what Levi brings, too. So, and Jared Goff is out of the confines of his dome, even if the weather is going to be nice. Uh, he, he is a dome QB, and he will, you know, have to deal with that. No, although, albeit he did play in California for college, it is something he's used to. But And mm-hmm. he has won twice in Levi's already. Oh, he has. Mm-hmm. I thought he was. Oh, I thought I saw a stat. Maybe it was his time with this Ram, with the Rams, where he was zero and five against the the Niners. I could have been wrong then, but he doesn't play. He doesn't play well against the Niners. Um, but this might be the best team that he's had since the Super Bowl roster that he had in L.A. Um, oh yeah, it's not close in my opinion. Has, no, that so. I'm interested. So let's let's do a little thing here, real quick. What do you guys have for your scores? For this game, oh, I didn't. I didn't do a score, so let me think about this. For I know, two seconds. so no problem. So, I think I don't buy that the Lions are going to make this close, but I do think it's going to be a decently high-scoring game. I think the Niners come out swinging. I think it's going to be. I don't. I don't want to say something insane because that 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 gets cocky. But uh, let's do. <laughs> yeah, right. Like. I think it'll be a 36-28 game. Yeah. I think like then it's going to be close and then the Niners are just going to break away and seal the deal by the time it's, you know, they might well, they be up cover. two touchdowns. Maybe. <laughs> I think the Niners cover. I think the Niners are going to cover this. Now, I don't I I do think the line initially is disrespectful, but I do see a world where the Niners can play not damn near perfect, but even an A minus game or a B plus game, and they just beat the brakes off this team early. Yeah. So, Ryan, I'll, I'll go ahead and go right now. Um, <laughs> I've I've got it in my head 
that we're our defense is going to get two takeaways in this game, and it's going to come at really good times. Um, meaning we are going to come off of a score, and then we're going to rack up another score right away, and that's going to shift momentum heavily. <clears throat> and so I I feel like this game is going to end. I know I've been crazy by doing it, but I'm going to continue saying these high scoring games, forty two to twenty eight. Love it, love yeah, it. I can see that. I wanted to, I wanted to say that too. What do you got, Ryan? I'll take it. I'm going to give them. Ooh, I think it's a defense game. I think the Niners defense going to show up. Thirty one to twenty Niners. Ooh, okay, that's a nice score. I like that. I like that. Okay, great. So we have our scores on the board. Is there any final thoughts in terms of the game that you guys like wanted to get across? Are you feeling good? You how? Let me let me ask you guys here because you know you the Niners have had a lot of sustained sustained success. You know, this is your third conference championship in four years. This will most likely be you know your first real one in the past couple of years because last year was not fair. So, what would getting to the Super Bowl mean to you in this situation? How would it feel for you guys just to get there right now? I'm ready to be back, man. Uh, I feel great. It's where we got to be. It's, uh, you know, like a prophecy fulfilled. We got we to get back. I hate, I hate, I should say, that it's either, should we make it, you know, one week at a time? But if we do, it's the Chiefs or the Ravens. China. Exercise one of your demons. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I've gotten it to the point in my head where it is a failed season, in my opinion, if we don't win the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, Agreed. And I kind of felt that way early on when I recognized how how good this team is, and I recognized that Brock actually is that guy. Um, This window that we have with the Niners is it is closing um, because as we approach, obviously we've got a few years, but as we approach that window where we have to pay Brock, the second we pay Brock, we're not going to be able to afford a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the window to win one at least is like now. So right to at least get this Super Bowl out of the way. I know that sounds messed up, but it's like, if you want a shot at having like, a genuine like run at a couple Super Bowls, you got to get this year. And mm-hmm. we've been on the quest for six now for too damn long. It's coming up on 30 years. Yeah. And I, to just get back to the Super Bowl for me, it won't be enough. So to answer your question, like it'll feel good to be back in the Super Bowl. Um, I will probably be like quiet as hell on the text threads for the week, <laughs> for the two weeks leading up. because. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in my zone. Like, uh, not that I have anything to play for or anything like that, but it's like, I need to prepare myself mentally for either side of this. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, so last Kyle question, because I love playing the Kyle negative <laughs> trade today. Um, let's say you guys do, let's say, you know, everything goes well, you make it, but it doesn't work out. <laughs> what does a win or a loss in your opinion mean for Kyle's legacy are you nervous if he loses and when he if he does win the whole thing that's going to be a huge mark for him for being he'll probably go down as one of the most successful coaches for having such a sustained run but a loss what does that do as a for a fan what would that do to you 
getting so close consistently and just not being able to get that far, not getting able to get the last step. I uh, I think I would be answering these questions tonight a lot differently if that's the case. Um, I uh, I would lose a lot of faith in Shani, um, and at that point, I would I would feel like something's got to change in terms of how he calls a game, or something's got to change in our front office. And I'm I'm not saying that he's got to get fired, but I'm saying like maybe he needs more support somewhere else. Like maybe he needs to uh, not have such a involvement in certain aspects of the game. Like it's, it's, it would be time to really look at his role on the Niners and think where, where we could, you know, fill that gap because there, there would clearly be a gap at that point. Hmm. All right. So let's, Okay, so let's end on a nice positive note. Obviously, we have the Niners winning here, so this is going to be good. Um, let's go over some of the matchups that we saw over the weekend that were also pretty freaking entertaining. Um, so before we dive into that, you guys mentioned earlier that I was a curse. So to those who don't <laughs> who don't know where that's coming from, why they said that, um, when we were texting, we were nonstop texting during the Niners game. And... I was while these guys were getting down in the dumps, you know, like feeling feeling really sad about the Niners. I'm being the hype man. I'm like, let's go, Niners got this. They're gonna come back. They're gonna do this. I'm rooting for the Niners, and things are like up and down here and there. I say one good thing about the Packers, and then they play terribly. And then these guys hit me up. They're like, just keep rooting for the Packers <laughs> the whole time. So the rest of the game, I'm like, oh, Jordan, you know, Brock Purdy sucks. Like Jordan Love's gonna get this. It'll be easy. And then next thing you know, the Niners like come back and. I, I I wanted to do this for the first game we'll talk about here. I did the same exact method for the Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City game. <laughs> and Casey, you know, Mahomes, what are you going to freaking do? Like, it's it's not fun. So the whole game, I and I had picked the Chiefs going into the weekend. I was rooting for the Bills via text the whole time in hopes that, you know, maybe the pick would come true. And it did. So I'm, these guys, these guys were like, hey, you got to stop. You're not even going to show up to the Niners game. We're talking the Niners game if this is going to be the case. So I'm wearing yeah. this red everybody shirt. Just I'm I'm everybody's fan this week. It's going to be team no, neutral, team team neutral no, content here. Not it's you going to be like Lions this. Fan this, this week. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be a great that's, game. That's who wants me Chiefs kingdom let's ride this is oh my god this is what happens when an eagles fan switches sides guys like it's just it's not healthy for your team all hell breaks loose dude it's not even fair so do you remember the moment you switched to the do you remember what point in the game that was it was it was early in the fourth i think it was um was that when he missed the, missed field, the field goal? goal. That's yeah. right. It was when he missed the field goal. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. He, I'm like, he's got he's this. Like... It's over. <laughs> then he whips it. That was a crazy moment in the game. And then you guys were like, just root for the Packers the rest of the way. And it worked out great. So, She's <laughs> uh, head fashion, man. You're like, go, Pat, go. And then they missed the field goal. <laughs> go, Pat. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was that moment. That was a wild that was a wild was scene, cool. and I was like, okay, let's try this again for the Chiefs game. I was curious for, you know, for that game. I know you guys were pulling for the Bills. I know Ben had the Bills going to, this, um, to the championship game matchup here, but 
I how impressive <laughs> that game was pretty freaking good. I I they you gotta admit like the Bills and Chiefs when they match up is always just like a one of a kind matchup. That sucks for the Bills. Yeah, but it's yeah it's it's not a rivalry because a rivalry goes back and forth. Like it's I genuinely um I watched uh Josh Allen's post game and then I watched his presser the next day and there is so much life sucked out of him out of the building out of that fan base um that kicker like he completely deleted his instagram his socials um to think it went wide right too that was wild that's like the bill's omen it was yeah it's disgusting it's really tough honestly um i i thought they were gonna make their super bowl run and i thought this was gonna be the year that like because they've been knocking on the door a little mm-hmm. bit less, but similar to the Niners in that sense um, for years. And they just haven't been able to really get through the doorway. Um, and this time it felt like there was more than a gap in that doorway and they were going to be able to make it through. And then, you know, Mahomes went and Mahomes did up. Yeah. So, but it, I, I was, uh, I was really nervous going into, I was kind of ho- in in your sense, like, I just didn't – I bet against Mahomes round one, and that was dumb. And I just felt like with the Bills dealing with all these injuries, I just didn't feel like Josh was doing enough via the air this year. And they had let, – let, let, let's yeah. get a couple things clear. There, That game didn't feel as close as it was because had McCole Hardman not fumbled at the one-yard line and go out of the end zone, it would have been a 10-point loss, right? But had Stefan Diggs caught that 60 yard bomb, had their one guy, I forgot his name, mm-hmm. Trencherfield, catch that, you know, deep bomb too. He threw it a little yeah. weird and had Josh connected on the deep ball at the end there, missing a guy terribly, throwing off his back foot. I don't know. It's just like, and I watch Mahomes and I'm just like, this dude, like, just shows up. And I feel for Josh Allen, but I, all this talk that he was like the second best player in the league, like, outside of Mahomes, I'm like, you guys can, not chill for a little bit here like he played fine but then you make the reference of the next gen stats they they the way they coach this is what conservative coaching can do to a great player who has who who you're you're getting in his head those he threw what was it 16 passes behind you know behind the line of scrimmage or it was something yeah. like that that was the most of his career and and like Josh Allen is not a guy who should be doing that and you, they had no plays over 20 plus yards. It was like, you just took them out of the game and you were betting on a defense to go beat Patrick Mahomes. And that's just like the worst like situation you can put yourself in. I, but it was an entertaining game to say the least. And I loved how back and forth it was. It was crazy, big plays. Um, but man, the best part about that game though, was Jason Kelsey. <laughs> Let me just say that <laughs> first things for those who don't know, uh, Jason Kelsey was up in the booth. Um, uh, shirtless and screaming, drinking beers, enjoying his off season, supporting his brother. And he told the story um, on his podcast, the new Heights with his brother, Travis, um, his wife, Kylie. So that was his first time meeting Taylor Swift. And his wife was like, Oh, you need to be on your best behavior. And he was like, Hey, so I'm just letting you know when I get there, I'm going out of this booth. I'm taking my shirt off and I'm leaving the booth. And she's like, don't, don't do that. And he's like, Oh, I wasn't asking. This is going to happen. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) This dude's just a wild man, just screaming and enjoying his time. And I was, uh, 
I was happy to see him be so happy and elated and just, you know, enjoying his time. And that was a fun moment for me to just watch that happen. I thought it was a great part of the game. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun to see him part of the Bills Mafia there for a minute, not rooting for them, but just in that, you know, in that atmosphere. I think he, he matched the energy really well. And mm -hmm. it's nice to see, too, um, considering <clears throat> just how the Eagles season ended. Um and if that is his last year, like it ends on on a negative note for him. It's it's good to see him. Obviously, he had a lot of success throughout his career, but it's good to see him just happy and, and you know, going about normal life, drinking mm. beers, shirtless, being <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Did you enjoy that game, Ryan? Did you like watching that game? Or would it make you sad knowing that Mahomes won again? <laughs> I didn't realize that his first impression for Taylor Swift, but mm -hmm. she knows exactly what she's getting on to, so that's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <Respect> it. <laughs> no, that's fair. I had a great time watching that game, too, as a as a non-partial, you know, I can just enjoy other people being stressed out and stuff, <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> that's how it's been all playoffs for me because like no matter what happens at this point i'm like i'm supporting you guys but at the same time i'm like this is just entertaining at this point so absolutely yeah it makes it makes sunday for us this sunday a little bit weirder because we're the last game even though there's two games there's a game before us that has a lot of weight and meaning and you're gonna see all these fans and these players you know understanding that this could be their last game and like just knowing that and feeling that through your TV screen and knowing that your team has that coming up, it's just, it's not fun. I don't want this. I don't want to feel that. It's going to be, yeah. it's stressful, dude. It's going to be nice. Um, so speaking of stressful, let's talk about your other rival. Um, the Ravens did a good job closing out the Texans. And that was, it was a close game. It was tied going into halftime, right? 10-10. Um, the Raven, the D'Amico Ryans and the Texans did a really good job trying to just go after Lamar and mix things up. But then Lamar responded. He almost threw an interception in the end zone and he responded really well after that and just played out of his mind and finished really strong. Um, so what did you get? Did you guys, you know, take anything away from that game? Did you enjoy watching that one to start uh, the divisional round weekend? Yeah, I, uh, I had a lot of fun watching him go 16 for 22 for 152 yards. Um, I thought that, um how many did he rush it was for? a very lamar jackson-esque game that that is the that is the part of it and it's been my argument ever since he came into the career he's a blast to ever since he came into the league he's a blast to watch but he's not like he's not a genuine quarterback i mean he hasn't proven that he can like throw the ball consistently well through an entire season and even this season like he's been carried by his defense. Um, but I mean, he had a really good game. Um, it was, that was just a good game. I was disappointed to see CJ go out. Cause I had the Texans moving on. I had him pulling off an upset, but no, it was, it was good. It was fun. And I'm looking forward to CJ and the Texans moving forward. I think D'Amico has got to get coach of the year. And I think that CJ Glad. should get offensive rookie of the year. Glad I got you there. <laughs> What did you think, Ryan? Did you enjoy the game? Uh, that one I did not watch, so I can't comment on. Uh, hey, that's fair. Take this to give some props to the Texans, and it's good to see D'Amico having some success. Or, you know, we thought their window would be there here. And uh, 
you just want to see this round this year. So it's been cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, did you guys actually watch the real, Lions? Real quick, I'm sorry. What's up? No, you're good. Real quick, I I saw this thing. I just wanted to I wanted to talk about it. So okay. I saw this thing. This guy swapped on Madden. He swapped Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson and put them on the other on the other team, right? Oh and, gosh! Uh, and then he simulated the season, <laughs> and both teams made the playoffs. But the Niners with Lamar were the one seed. Mm-hmm. Lamar had like forty-one touchdowns and like a crazy amount of yards. Brock had like twenty-eight touchdowns and was the seventh seed. But Lamar went out in the the divisional round. And then Purdy went all the way to the Super Bowl and lost in, in the lost to the Lions. It was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, oh wow, that's crazy. I love those simulations because in especially in the video games, they're so random and you can never really tell what's gonna yeah. happen. That's funny. That's all. <laughs> you guys Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys end up watching the Lions first Bucks by chance? Um, I watched a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not a ton. I definitely liked what I was seeing out of the Lions. Um, like they, they're a good team from top to bottom. There's no beating around that bush. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were the better team in that game from the beginning to the end. And uh, I mean, props to the Bucks. <clears throat> they, they made a season that wasn't expected to be anything into something. And, uh, they, show. especially Baker. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've always liked Baker, um, ever since he was in Oklahoma and, uh, he's just, he's so much fun to watch, like seeing him get fired up and then take his team down. The more fired up he gets, the better he gets. Like it's, he's a cool quarterback to, to rally behind. I don't want to be on the other side of him, <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a good game. The parts that I watched. No, that's good. Yeah, same. I I was able to catch some of the first half and um I watched the drive where they drove 92 yards and Mike Evans made that dope catch and um but it it was you know, for shout out to the Buccaneers, obviously they knocked out the Eagles round 1. They overachieved this year in a really good way and they have a lot of young pieces. Their ha- their offensive coordinator though, Dave Canales just got hired to be the uh the Panthers head coach. So he is now going to take that mantle. So I wonder how that's going to affect the team moving forward. Cause you know, changes like that are inevitable. And I think that's why for the lions, it's super beneficial that they made it as far as they did, because Ben Johnson would have been getting these interviews. Ben Johnson would have probably had a head coaching position by now. And he might stay another year mm-hmm. because those options have just been flooded. Jim Harbaugh got the chargers job. So, you know, shout out to the former Niners coach and, um, I saw Raheem Morris got the Falcons job and um, obviously Nick Sirianni is keeping his job. And, you know, so a lot of these, you know, Bill Belichick's out of a job still. Mike Brabel's out of a job right now. Like those coaches that we thought were going away early aren't there anymore and they're still available. So that'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But winning, he can provide, can keep continuity um, unless you're Jonathan Gannon and you just you know, already signed with the other team while your team's trying to win the Super Bowl and do it behind your team's back and makes you want to jump off a yeah. cliff. But either way, yeah, that was so, you know, you got shady guys like that. But um, so let's talk about who you guys would rather see if you guys win this game. So we already went about over our Lions, you know, Niners score. Who do you guys want winning this game between the Ravens and the Chiefs? Well, me personally, 
I know it sucks. This <laughs> one's this one's hard, but at the same time, it's easy. Um, and I'll explain why. So both scenarios is a revenge game, which I love. And I, I'm stoked about if we make it that far. I personally want the Chiefs because that heartbreak of the Super Bowl was that was that was tough. That was the game that I remember more than the than the Raven Ravens game. The Ravens Super Bowl loss almost ten years ago. Um I remember that Chiefs game like it was yesterday. Um I was I genuinely going into the fourth quarter, I was already starting to celebrate a win. Like I was I was super stoked and then all hell happened. So I want that feeling back and I want Patty Mahomes to sit the hell down because you've had enough of a run. You can take a break <laughs> now. You are approaching goat level status and that's not even that's not fun. So you so you want to beat so you want Mahomes to make it just so you can beat him. Yes. Okay. That's fair. Because I this like Niners that. team I also think the Niners would have an easier time with the Chiefs than they would the Ravens. Um okay. I still think that the the Niners can beat the Ravens. I think in both games the Niners have got have got to play their best game. Um but like you can be you can make a little more mistakes um playing against the Chiefs than you would the Ravens at least as a second year quarterback. And I know both defenses are awesome. This is the best defense that Patty's ever had. Um but you know that that Ravens defense has already got a little bit of a um real estate in Brock's head. And I mean, probably all those guys had on the Niners team. Right. But mm -hmm. especially Brock, like first game throwing four freaking picks like that. Like that's, that's gotta be tough. I can only imagine have the film. So, yeah. Right. So what do you think, Ryan, who would you rather face? Yeah, I completely agree with you really. Like, you know, Patrick is number one. That was Joe Flacco. We <laughs> Like, uh, some words with, but... and he's gone. <laughs> can't can't get it back now. So let's do it to Mahomes. And I agree; he's been around having a good time for way too long. And I think the Chiefs are the less complete team. It would be a bit easier in the Super Bowl uh, just because he's down Tyreek this season. Yeah, I take the Chiefs. Let's do okay. it for the Chiefs. Yeah, I like that. So let that me part. let me offer this too because when we talk about the Chiefs, we're we're going off recency bias in the sense that like the Chiefs haven't been the Chiefs of normal this year because their offense is a little weird with leading the league and drops all that fun stuff. Um, and the Ravens obviously has the double digit victories. We also uh, I saw a stat on first things first for the Ravens that they have the most uh, wins by fourteen or more points um, against playoff teams this year which was pretty wild they had like nine or something like that which was crazy um but i that so that makes me wonder let's say the chiefs do pull this out right they beat that team and you know and they played the way that they have in the playoffs and have gutted out games they beat the brakes off miami like wouldn't that just make you more nervous going up against the guy who just seems to defy all the odds like going into this it's kind of like LeBron in that way, huh? It's like whatever team he's got, if you get him in these moments, you just can't feel comfortable, like right. whatsoever. No, oh. I wouldn't feel nervous. And the reason being is is going back to what I said earlier. It's 
you got to not focus on that kind of stuff as the as this Niners team. You've got to just focus on bringing your best brand of football because no team, when you bring that, can match up. Like it's, it, it gets to a point like if you're focusing on the other team and what they're doing right now, you're going to start playing to their level. And that's kind of what we don't want to do. So that's that's where my head's at. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd be like, wow, like, damn, they're on a roll. But just bring our game. We'll be all right. No, I love that. All right, guys. So let's. Uh, so we pay, made our score for the Niners game. What was our, what would be your score for this Ravens Chiefs game? This is gonna be a high scoring game, and I think it's gonna be damn close. Um, I've got thirty-five, thirty-two. Kansas City. Love. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, okay, let's do. God, that's tough. I'm gonna say. Thirty-one twenty-eight, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I take Baltimore too. I'm not adding up my numbers um, in threes and sevens. So, let's say thirty-five twenty-eight, Baltimore. Love that. That's great. I'm stoked that I'm the only one that picked the Chiefs now because I'm gonna be rocking with the Chiefs. <laughs> I might. I might secretly be cursing um, the Chiefs. We'll see. I'm just <laughs> have my own group chat just going. <laughs> you'll see, Mike, this week. Just don't be an Irish fan. You're gonna. You're gonna have like a a, um, a Patty Mahomes like a voodoo doll, and you'll be like poking him with sticks. And I'm like stuff. touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> It'll be um. No, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited. This is probably as good as a result as we could have gotten going into championship weekend. So, some awesome matchups. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being a fan in the morning, and then so okay. So let's any final thoughts on the Niners or any final takes that you guys have for this weekend before we get into it, before we depart, before the nerves really start settling in here. Ryan, knock it out. Get it for us. I'm gonna kind of take what you said. Then it's just not just do many things. That's mm-hmm. all. Just do it. We just need to be ourselves. That's it. That's it. Simple. Bang bang stuff, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, with that being said, I hope you guys have fun this weekend. I know I'm planning on having a ton of fun just watching from the sidelines and letting you guys do your thing. And I will. I don't even know if I'm going to text you guys. I don't even know what I, I don't even know what to do in this situation here. <laughs> like I just, I don't, I'll just be like, this game is crazy. Oh, that throw was great, or something like that. I don't know what I don't know what to say. Uh, so you know, we'll we'll update you guys on that as we go. But hopefully, you guys get the matchups we want. You know, hopefully our picks go crazy. Hopefully, the Ravens Chiefs produce a legendary matchup as well. And hopefully, you guys beat the breaks off the lines. So we'll see what happens here. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated you having here. Please come back at any time. This is awesome. This was a lot of fun. Absolute blast. Long time listening, first time calling. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) For friend of the show, for sure. Friend of the show, for sure. Um, So, with that being said, this was episode 26 of the Behind the Bad podcast. You can hit us up at BehindTheBackPod13 at gmail.com. Hit us up on our social medias, Twitter, TikTok, X, Facebook. Did I say Instagram? I don't even know. I always ramble when it comes to this part. Or you can find us and look at our pretty faces on YouTube. Hit us up there. Leave some comments, like, subscribe, all that fun jazz. But I'm Marcos Conan Negron. Beside me here is... 
Benny the Jet Rats, and beside me here is Boy Ryan. Bang bang, not again. Hey, That's one more right. thing. Shout out to you two for your first full season of this podcast. It's been a pleasure to listen to, and you guys are killing it. Oh, thanks, appreciate buddy. It, brother. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you for being our first official guest. This was actually a lot of fun. And please let us know if we want to come back because we would love to have you back, brother. Totally. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace. Peace.